0: Hello and welcome to episode seventy-nine of the Adoption and Fostering podcast. With me, Scott casson Rennie, and M am
1: Alcoats. I should—that's the terrible. People won't know actually who I am. Alcoats, so
0: unprofessional as well.
1: Mm, that's me. Got yeah. me in one. How are you doing?
0: Yes, i all good. How are you?
1: I'm really well, thank you. And I've had a really exciting January. It's coming towards the end of January. And I'm excited about our podcast tonight. And I'm excited about, because we've got a guest, haven't we? But we'll keep him in the corner, the naughty corner. Yeah,
0: yeah definitely.
1: Or should we get him out?
0: No, what? not yet. No, let's leave him where he is for now. Yeah. Um, what else are you excited about
1: Al? I'm excited about the conversation about uh, the... BT Halo advert. I'm really excited about that because I feel quite animated, and for once against popular opinion. <laughs> um, do, do, did you see the advert? What? Tell me your. I love a good Twitter rant, and they seem to be happening more and more and more, don't they?
0: Yeah, they are happening quite a lot of them now, actually, aren't they? Um, so, what was my cause? It's interesting because I actually saw it the first time.
1: Describe. Well, it. well it's kind blue, of um, yeah.
0: So it was basically um, about this Halo thing, isn't it? The you are doing about bringing people together. Yeah, definitely. and it's all about ja- the phones. Yeah, um, and there's various kind of different recordings, different stories, all pieced together. Very short stories, just yes. one-liners, um, and obviously filmed people doing it. And I can't remember what they all are, to be perfectly frank with you. But um, I, I saw it, and I actually didn't think any of it to begin with. Um, it didn't even click
1: didn't no. register that it was no, just, that it was about just, us our world
0: yeah exactly and then i saw actually i got i got um actually polly friend of the show tagged me on
1: facebook and went
0: oh scott look at this and i, I watched that again and i was like oh my days as in so what was it oh my days um basically it oh. was um uh that one of the stories was a young lady who was sat in a bedroom and said, "I'm looking for my dad,
1: my real dad." Yeah, she's, she says, you know, she's got the screen open, and hasn't she? And her face is all glowing. So it's all yeah. beautiful. And she says, yeah. "Are you my dad, my real dad?" Well, some words to that yeah, effect, doesn't she?
0: Well, no, the, the exact words were, "I'm looking for my dad, my real dad."
1: Let's not fall out over the real words, but the the no, word I'm not the, falling out. Here,
0: <laughs> right? said that was what the words were. That is exact words.
1: Okay, yeah. uh, and so, but everyone went. Hmm? totally crackers over the thing
0: yeah it's, it's, it's an interesting one isn't it because well I always say that's an interesting one I'm going to stop saying that because it sounds
1: stupid <laughs> no but, comment
0: yeah <laughs> there's people who I think that then the argument got mixed up into something else as well because what oh. people were then saying was you know that people have a right to do this and a right to do that and yes they do that's not I don't think anybody's disputing that at all I think that it was maybe just a little bit... I don't know. See, my view on it was, that actually, it could have been someone looking for their biological dad and they have been living with their stepdad all the, all these years. Absolutely. Or, or something along those lines. So I think that's my maybe why it didn't register with me too much because I'm thinking wider than just adoption when I'm you know watching telly or watching adverts on Facebook or whatever.
1: Well, you see it through your lens, don't you? You you, yeah. you get from it what you bring from it. Exactly, yeah. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm, in some ways I'm, I'm racked with... A fair level of indifference, um, and I'm going to bring in my our guest for this evening. Hi, Tris.
2: Hi, evening.
1: <laughs> You've been tinkering away on Google, haven't you? I have, yes. So this is oh, this is Tris Casson Rennie, who is uh, Scott's better half. <laughs> I
0: agree. I agree with
1: that. The, the puppet master, the, the you know, the, the man yeah. who's no goodbye. <laughs> That's the end of that one. Um, Tris, what did you think of the 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 advert? The real. Are you my real dad Thing.
2: Um, I, I get a bit upset with um, companies trying to promote themselves without really doing the research. And I think that they fell short on this occasion. I, I, I don't really um, particularly pick out the issue with what they what they used it was more the fact that they didn't research why they were what they were using, and I get really upset when then it evokes such emotions around people. When in this case they were just trying to sell telephones, so they should really stick to what they know and sell telephones, and not well, yeah. um, evoke such huge emotions through a, a, a two minute, three minute poorly thought out um, advert. So that was where my my feeling was. Um, it could have been anything that upset anybody. Um, this particular advert did allude to adoption and it upset various parts of the adoption community um, and other people felt that it was um, an appropriate way to advertise. My, my own feeling was that I think it was just poorly thought through and they should have done a lot more research. You see, I'm not entirely sure. I, I, well, I get that. You should always think a little bit and
1: maybe run it by the ethics committee. Or the, I'm sure they have an enormous amount of people who can think about these things. But my thought was, well, actually, we don't have a... We don't have a, a standardised, accepted form of language, do we? We don't. It's not like we're saying that that is wrong language. We're just saying that that's language that upsets some because there's another set of people who would say, oh, that's totally appropriate language. Mm.
2: Mm. Yeah, yeah. I must admit there was a bit of a Twitter storm when I commented on it from um, adoptees in the United States and they felt it was wholly appropriate. And, and the, the proper way to be able to make contact with birth family of course, not recognising that in the UK that there are already fairly good efforts by social workers, social services to try to maintain contact through supported channels rather than um, indiscriminate contact through um, a social media message. Um, So I think that, you know, people were taking to Twitter without recognising that there are already some fairly good arrangements in the uk for contact to take
1: place yeah i mean it's a it's a it's a uk advert that's kind of reached a global a global set of people who are perhaps well people will be offended you know whatever you do you're going to offend people but i kind of what i found a bit i'm not sure because i think that do we end up though that we reduce everything to this sort of bland middle ground that no one can say anything about anything and that sounds like a like a you know, that said the white man, you know, the straight straight white man who's never offended by anything. Um, Do we then, but then do we we just rough off everything and make everything so smooth that actually it becomes almost meaningless? Is that not what we're, because then Adoption UK waded in, didn't they? And they got BT to remove it.
2: Yeah, I think though that um, there was a a previous episode with um, another telecommunications company that made a similar Um, (laughs) poor judgement with regards to the adoption community so um, it does make you wonder if um, the people in the marketing team didn't do their research very well it was probably Uh,
1: the person GifGaff sacked and moved over to BT that was probably it
2: (laughs) I wasn't going to name them but well done (laughs) uh, I I was involved in
0: that um, she went to British Airways her name was Angela Okay, no, I'm joking. <laughs> oh, there was someone? Angela, <laughs> said, uh, I saw that. Team Angela, have you never, have you never seen that? No. Really? digressing a little bit, but um, hashtag Team Angela. You should go um, go on Twitter later and have a look because Angela tweeted from British
1: Airways saying it was the passenger's fault. Yeah, that and was yeah. Went, boom. <laughs> oh. well, yeah. Anyway, well, I just, I just found it really odd because I think that actually, in the grand scheme of things, like I spoke to my one of my kids, uh, Lottie, and she could care less. Um, <laughs> frankly, she she just said whatever, and I said, and yeah. uh, um, in, in that voice, and I just do wonder whether it's there's a sense of that walkness I don't know. Am I? Is it over Is that a thing? Have I made I that guess, up?
2: Well, I guess you know we've we've been in a, um, a similar situation where a, a member of birth family has made contact with one of our children, our older children, um, and that came out of the blue. Um, through through Facebook, um, and, and you know, it take. It, although we were um, absolutely fine with it, and I, and I really mean that, we were absolutely fine with yeah, it. It does take your breath away when the contact comes through. Now it came through to us, and so we were probably um, in a good place to be able to deal with that. And at the time it came through, um, I don't think that. Our son was particularly in a great place and so the timing wasn't great. So I think that whilst, you know, it, the, the indiscriminate contact through um, social media may be a way that a birth family can make contact, I, I just think the advert didn't demonstrate that actually there's a lot of repercussions from that. The advert showed just the good news story, which was that you, you make contact and everything's going to be Okay um and of course we we know from experience that perhaps it's not the right time or they've got things going on in their lives yeah. and so and you can't you can't show that in 3 minutes so yeah. all you can show is the is the positive side of the story and of course we would all like to believe that 100% of the time the story is positive but we all live the life of adoption and we know that it's it's not like that
1: or it's just it remains enduringly complicated yeah, never yeah. sort of quite resolved either way, and it's not the finding my families or long lost families kind of narrative. And it, yeah, I get that, but I, I really struggle of. Like, well, I think what I feel slightly uncomfortable with is, and I think we, I don't know whether we're on this for too long, but I feel slightly uncomfortable with this idea that there's a kind of an uprising of adoptive parents going, "This is wrong, this is wrong." My child might have seen it, and you go, "Well, you need to. Don't we need to get our? Don't we need to make our children or support our children to be robust? Because this." Sh- this stuff will keep going you know yeah, yeah exactly, maybe yeah. bt have learned the lesson but the next time you turn the telly on there's something else you watch moana you watch lilo and stitch you watch so, harry potter you, to be yeah. fair it's
0: no different to the let's talk very briefly about the, the television soaps is it you know sometimes they come along with a story about a child being removed or a child being adopted or people being um uh uh people being, oh God, my words, where's my words gone? Um, people being um, assessed for adoption or fostering, that's what I was gonna yeah. say. Um, and you know, the the length of time it takes on, in tellyland is no time at all compared to, and, and people get upset about that. So, uh, you know, I know that the producers of these kind of play, uh, programs actually try and work with agencies and, and, you know, yeah. and all that sort of stuff to try and get it, but it's TV. It's there to promote or sell or engage or, you know, it's about story. Ten. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you're not going to do that by saying, oh, I need to find my real dad. Oh, look, I found him. Oh, look, it all went wrong afterwards. Do you know what I mean? That's not going to sell.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, he that's... tried to sleep with me. Yeah, yeah like it's... that stuff that, you know, you hear that phenomenon where, you know, both families fall in love. think would have done better
2: bringing back Warren Littman and having <laughs> back from the telly. Um, At it last... A... We, we we could all we could all associate with that and feel a little bit of our childhood. Yeah, and love a bit of BT.
1: Finally, we can agree on something.
2: Yeah, exactly. And yeah.
1: um, well, Tris, it's really good to have you here. Thank you for coming and uh, offering your opinion. And I feel like I am finding you slightly unnerving because you're being quite sensible. But I have a feeling that Scott, <laughs> Scott, have you given him a stern talking to before he? He no, can't. that's just the way he is. No, no, I, I found him to be much more flippant and uh, impassioned. So you let yourself go, Tris. Just yeah, let I let go. shall, don't worry. Yeah. All right.
0: <laughs> when <laughs> he starts banging his fist on the table, I'll know we've
2: gone. We've <laughs> gone a I only on. do that in education
1: meetings. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <No. laughs> cool. So, well, it's LGBT uh, History Month, isn't it, February? Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought that maybe, uh, I thought it'd be really interesting to speak to the both of you, because um, uh, without being disrespectful, you're both of a certain age where your your adult lives have transitioned to quite significant changes, haven't you? You've straddled, um, you know, there's some serious changes in legislation that have impacted on you personally as individuals, but also on some of the rights that, you know, same sex families and homosexual families have got. So, are you okay for that conversation?
0: Yeah, who can we offend with that? Well. <laughs>
1: Have you, you've prepared a list especially for that. Um, and, I mean, to be honest, I, I was thinking that it's something that in some ways, you know, as a straight man, that just passed me by. A lot of this stuff was just, it was stuff on the news. But I, I was talking to you earlier, and you were talking about, you know, you were talking about, as you were getting, as you were coming into your adulthood, changes in the law. So, can I ask you a little bit about that? Because it is LGBT History Month, so we can talk about a bit, Sort of the, yeah. back, the background to the law changes that impacted on you. So, tell me about the your your kind of your move into activism. How did that rise up really?
2: <laughs> well, um, I can remember being a young lad of, of seventeen, um, ending up in London on a day out and stumbling across a gay pride march and not knowing what on earth I had found. And all of a sudden, this boy from Norwich who. Thought he was the only boy in the village was amongst to think about five or six thousand gay people marching through the streets of London, um, blowing whistles and didn't know where they were going. But I thought, well, I'll follow them anyway and see where we end up. Do you um, loitered at the back? <laughs> I did. I <I'd> loitered <laughs> under railway bridges and yeah, everywhere so that I wouldn't be seen and um, followed them and ended up in Kennington Park in South London, which was uh, totally new to me and um, I found there was a community and it was a community that I had never been a part of but could identify with really, really quickly. Um, And let's not forget, you know, this is going back to 1987, so a long time ago. Yeah. And um, places like Norwich, um, out in the sticks, uh, whilst there was a gay community, it was very, very underground. And... Um, it, it was just not talked about at all, mm-hmm. so it was a very solitary life. So stumbling across um, this this whole new community in London was it was a bit of a, a, an eye opener, a revelation. Um, I vowed I would go the next year and I did, and then I went every year um, subsequently until I met Scott. Um, then he stopped you going. Quite, I'm not quite sure why that happened, but I'm... He's too w- embarrassed to take me. On the I, I, I think that... I, <laughs> I think that Scott, Scott doesn't particularly... And you don't particularly enjoy um, marching for four <clears throat> miles, do you?
0: So. No, no, it's not that. It's not that, oh, it's not that. It's about, um, you know, I guess my... My side of the story is is similar, but very different, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And obviously, I'm a lot younger than (laughs) Tris. There's five years between us. Um, But what's interesting is, I mean, I grew up in Scotland in uh, a very rural part of of Fife. And my family were were obviously, um, you know, it's not something that we... That they that I kind of introduced to them or anything like that, and it was very much um, my um, lack of confidence about seeing who I was. <clears throat> and equally, there was you know there was nothing there was nothing local for me to relate to. You know, there was nobody for me to relate to. So for me, that and my family um, background made me a little bit shy and very un- unconfident, yes. insecure, insecure about being seen in public as a as a gay man when I was 21, 22 um, which is when we met. And to think, I mean, we did go to London. We did go to one pride, yeah. actually, and it scared a living daylight out of me because I had never seen so many gay people. And I also wondered about the fact that maybe I hadn't lived enough to, you know, to to, to go to these sorts of things and and, yeah. and kind of justify my my presence. So. Um, I just didn't feel comfortable doing it.
2: I think it's fair to say that when Scott and I met, of course, the law had changed quite significantly. So, um, when, when I talk about 1987, as, a, as a, a 16, 17 year old gay man, it was illegal to be uh, a gay man effectively in, in those days. Yeah till the age of 21 i mean it wasn't illegal to be a gay man of course yeah but you could, but a gay man. You, you could have
1: an intimate relationship
2: i can remember going to see my gp when i was 16 and he said because i said how do i deal with this and he said well are you a practicing homosexual and i said no i get it right every time i don't need to practice so, and I, genuinely, so- I genuinely believe that that was his question um because there had been no education we all thought we were going to die because of the aids adverts mm. you know when i reached 30 i cried because i i never thought i would ever reach 30 people i knew every you know in 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 my cohort um people were dying of aids and and it was it was a terrible time um and then you know um i reached i, I well i mean well, i don't know can i
1: can things. i stop you and ask you about that then because i think that's yeah that is just so beyond outside of my experience you know that there's this idea that you in that context and in that world and in that mindset then adoption or being a parent i guess that's forget forget the roots to parenting at this point i guess that you uh, do is it ever on the cards you know as a 16 17 18 year old i'm thinking of myself i just presumed that uh, there's an inevitability that i would have children
2: yeah, no, when I when I came out at the age of 18, the first words that came across the table to me were, well, I'll never have grandchildren. Um, and that wasn't meant in any kind of malice. That was just a consequence of being a gay man to, to, to my mum was that uh, she would never have grandchildren from me. Um, which is, which I, is a
1: really a profound thing for someone to say to you and, and kind of compounds, I suppose, a disappointment, but sure. that her loss... She's,
2: yeah yeah mm. but it, but it was true i mean at that point at, the, at that time there was absolutely no route to uh, gay men well not even there was no route at that time to gay men being legal before the age of 21 let alone having a civil partnership getting married adopting children living <laughs> together openly that it was unheard of
1: mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that so, must have, so <clears throat> that must have been a, an unusual mindset as you as you come through your your um Early 20s and mid 20s, and you, you obviously met mid 90s. I'm trying to think, get my maths right. Yeah, uh, mid late 90s. We met in 98. Right. So we're
2: 22 years
1: in February, February the 16th,
2: we're 22 years this year.
1: So I'm trying to get from my point of view, how do you reconcile? Was there always a, yeah, there's an intellectual sort of knowledge holding. The, holding that idea that actually that this is a route that's not open to me but that's very different to the actual desire to be a parent the two can you can you can do the hold
0: yeah Yeah. and and I think that that's interesting as well because whilst my again our experiences are different so Tris Tris is kind of I guess the first time he maybe thought about uh, not having children would have been that time when his mom said that to him Hmm. And I remember, because I didn't know who I was until I was 18, as in, you know, I didn't know I was gay until I was 18. Um, but before that, I was kind of, it, it, things do go around your head, and it's really difficult to explain Explain so many years later, but I just remember that I used to get, I used to get bullied drastically for uh, a couple of things, but one of them was everybody used to say I was gay. And I didn't, I mean, I had no clue. I had absolutely no clue right. that I was gay, but they used to, um, you know, taunt me, bully me, all that sort of stuff. And um, I just there must have been a moment of realization where there was something not quite right. And I remember, I, 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 I think I've told this story before, but I was sitting on the back of the school um, a, a bus in from the orthodontist um, after having my braces fixed because I tried to get rid of them again. And um, the, uh, the realization that I was never going to have kids. But back then I didn't know why I wasn't going to have kids, if that makes sense. I just had this realization I was never going to have kids and i think that possibly deep down i knew i was gay mm-hmm. but equally those messages from everybody the taunts the bullying maybe compounded that a lot and i was just yeah. kind of putting up a, a barrier against it or was it me just actually acknowledging that i was gay and as far as i was concerned that was it there was you know it was never going to happen whether it was Bi- biologically or any other means because you know back then hadn't even thought about any other yeah. be, I, know, I was 15 so you know it, for different reasons and different ways around it that's when we met kids didn't come into it mm-hmm. at all it was never a consideration
1: so then you both you you sort of going into a what is being a lasting enduring relationship which is like the well-worn path for lots of adults so well, I was
0: there for weeks, I was hoping that was it but <laughs> to <be too laughs> you're, you're
1: still hedging your bets aren't you you're still...
2: so yeah, I was a good catch yeah. <laughs> well, He told
1: me he's got an escape bag that he had <laughs> um, But you, you I mean it was our
0: first, I think it was uh, for both of us it was, it was our first long term relationship if, if that makes sense and I think the first couple of years you just go through the years and you're like oh we've Oh, we've been together a year. Oh, we've been together two years. And I'm sure it's the same for straight couples as well, you know, or for any couples actually. Yeah. And because actually we had no expectations of each other. The one thing that we did do very quickly was we moved in with each other within three months, mm-hmm. um, which actually now I look back and I'm like, were we mad? Because, <laughs> um, you know, I think about my own children now and I think, okay. <laughs> any They're just of the two,
1: children. No,
0: yeah. Three months? No, 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 no. That's too far too soon, kind of thing. So I think we were a bit bonkers in that respect. But equally, we didn't. I don't think we had any expectations as to the longevity of our relationship and how long it would go on for and stuff. I don't think that even came into it. It was just a case of, do you know what, we we want to be together. We love each other. Let's just go and do what we have to do, and we'll, we'll see where it goes,
2: kind of thing. But I, I think I think there's a little bit more to it than that because I think that. Um, back then we had to fight very hard for our rights we had to fight very hard to be recognised certainly um the, the the very early 70 shall I say my generation were battling lots and lots of legislative changes um and so by the time I was 26 I'd grown up an awful lot um and um, I think that at 26, I was for the world, and so when I recognized my to-be partner <clears> in life, then I knew that this was how it was going to be. And I, I, and this takes me back to something that we talked about earlier, which is about my worry that, um, look, everybody has, has a battle with, with coming to terms of their sexuality. It doesn't matter what their sexuality is. But my worry today about young gay men coming to terms with their sexuality is that what was an incredibly difficult journey in Hmm. the 70s is now, or in the 80s and 90s even, is now significantly easier. And and I'm pleased, I'm delighted it is. But I wonder if, and I I don't like using the words rite of passage because it it should never be a rite of passage, but I, I wonder if some of those battles that we had to endure have made us stronger and have made us better people in, in so far as being able to champion ourselves that much better. Um, and and I, I, I worry, I worry for the the younger gay community now, younger gay people growing up and, and, and going through this identity uh, of who they are. And I worry that um, it's, <laughs> Not too easy because it's never easy, but I just worry that there's just not the challenges that we were set, the hurdles that we had to jump through. Perhaps it shouldn't have to be like that. You know, Is
1: that perhaps- not the cry of everyone who, every generation that's fought yeah. for rights?
2: I, I agree, I agree. Perhaps there's a little bit of envy in me um, saying, Ooh. well, you know, I have to fight to get where I am today and you guys don't, and that's so unfair. So I do acknowledge that. I, I
1: don't, it doesn't sound like envy, it just sounds like a, a kind of a desire of, of people uh, to say, kind of know your history yeah, know, uh, get, yeah. you know realize that this yeah. stuff this stuff was won hard
2: yeah and I, I agree um, I, Michael Cashman has just brought a book out and, and I'm not getting paid royalties for telling people <laughs> that but Michael I I wouldn't have come out had it not been for Michael Cashman because he played uh, Colin on East and until yeah. I saw Colin in East I had nothing to identify with and For me, Michael Cashman will always be, as an actor, he will always be my hero in terms of that he he gave me hope that what I identified with in in the early 80s could be a real proposition. I could live with my partner one day together. And so... You know, I don't know if people today, if young people today, still have that to identify with. They maybe have many, many more different people to identify with, but certainly, you know, going back then, that that was a life-changing moment for me.
1: But I guess you you're a unique proposition because there's probably a generation of gay men and gay, maybe not women as many women, but gay men, that have that their aspiration or their desire to have a family could not be realised. Mm-hmm. um and you are, you straddle two worlds don't you you straddle a world where that wasn't possible and then a world where that was possible
2: yeah and that gives well, you I, a
1: unique I, perspective doesn't it
2: and we, we straddle another world which is when we when we travel and it's not possible in those countries we have yeah. to straddle that world too and we straddle that with our children and our children are well aware when we travel through countries where Um, It's illegal to be gay. So, for example, the the, um, United Arab Emirates, um, Jamaica, you know, places like that. Our children, unfortunately, have to be briefed that we are travelling as two brothers because we carry the same name and that the children belong to one of us. And that's the only way, if we get stopped at immigration, that we can go into these countries. That's
1: quite, I mean, I'm thinking about, you know, the nature of children generally is that they worry yeah. Um, but often adopted children carry more worries than and uh, sure. manifest So it's, I mean, we're kind of we're down the line, but I'm I'm intrigued by that. And how do your children cope with that or manage that or hold that?
2: I think
0: we 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 I'm not, I'm not I'm 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 not so sure we used to do it like that in <laughs> <to> number seven. <laughs> you know no, I'm no, wrong? no. <laughs> it's,
2: it's,
0: it's, I think it's something that you know has been kind of age appropriate. So as an example, we would go through um, immigration. Uh, one of us would go on our own, the, the, the other one would take the children with them. So it was less obvious. But I think as they've grown older, they they then start to ask, why do we have to go with you and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And, of course, there comes a time where you have to explain these things to them. And, and they have to understand that, actually, the rights that we have in the UK um, and Europe um, are, you know, they're there. We we have rights. You know, we have a right to travel through the airport as yeah. a family because it's it's you know it's, it's it's the law of the land exactly whereas in some of these countries it's not and you know some people say well why the hell do you go to these countries and my answer to that is that actually we only go where we feel safe okay so right. and that's the first bit but secondly why would I cut my nose off to spite my face by not seeing some of the world um, just because I'm gay? Now, you could go into the, you know, the, the kind of argument about, well, you're funding this regime and blah, 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 blah. Well, you know what? My thousand pounds for a week in, in you know, some country and yonder isn't going to fund a regime um, wholly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, but equally, why would, I, why would I not take my children somewhere that they want to visit? Because, you um, you know, if, if I feel safe to go and I feel safe to take them, which I do, and you know, that's that's my prerogative to be able to do that. Um, but equally, um, the, the kind of as they've grown older, they understand it. So they understand that you know, actually, to make a joke about same if, if you're traveling in, through an airport and you say, "Oh, look, I've got a bomb in my Baghdad," you know, that kind of thing. They know it's inappropriate. They know they shouldn't say it. They don't, know they mustn't. Um, but equally. They're comfortable because they're, you know, they've been kind of they've brought up with it yeah, in an appropriate way.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know that I was just reading up before we chatted, and I think it's 14 countries where same-sex couples can adopt out of, of however 100-odd, 200, yeah, well, 200 nearly countries.
0: I mean, in Ireland, we've we've been looking at some of the kind of legal things over the last couple of days for something that Tris has been <coughs> researching. And um, do you want to explain that, actually?
2: Yeah, so I I was looking at um, the laws around adoption leave in the Republic of Ireland, and um, the terminology that's used very much is about the mother or the sole single male parent. They don't Mm. recognize currently, um, in legislation anyway, they don't recognize same-sex male couples. They do, however, recognize same-sex female couples um, so there, there is uh, a tool uh, going through um, at the moment that will amend that but it's it's taking a very long time to go through and it's frustrating um, most of the gay community over here if not all of the gay community over here, here that, that are aware of it certainly um, can I take you back and that's that's fascinating single uh, male
1: um, sorry can yeah. I can I take you back um, a little because i'm still i'm conscious that we got to a point where you were as a you were as a couple um and you've kind of you've jumped ahead we know the end now don't we um you got you, you got some children um so was there a moment where you had a conversation did you see the legislation coming that change was there a conversation about children that you had as a couple when you're because you had a civil what year did you have a civil partnership you know
2: so we started off, we had a we, we signed the London Partnership Register. We were couple number 450 to sign the London Partnership right, so Register. You were there at the and beginning. That's a piece of <laughs> local legislation that, that was brought in in the UK. So if you lived in London, then you were able to sign it. Um, and we did that back in good old... 2003. 2003. Yeah. See, I always put him on the spot. <laughs> <Yeah>. So... Um, <laughs> Oh, That's
1: cruel. Sweating. He's sweating.
2: Yeah, it's, it's great. But then, then we um, we we did try to adopt in in the Republic of Ireland because we were living over here at the time. Before that, yeah. Um, and we were told in no uncertain terms that there would be a very dim view taken by. The, the powers that be, of, which most of them were, were run or had the hand of the church in or behind them. So um, we decided it was a natural thing to do was to return to the UK um, and, and, and see how we got on. So we returned to the UK and applied to foster because we didn't know that we could adopt. And certainly at that time we couldn't have adopted. We weren't aware that the legislation was going through parliament or going to change but when we had our first interview to um, foster the lady who came to do the assessment said look I, I can't possibly put you forward um, to foster children because you won't cope with it you will not be able to hand them back you two need to adopt that, and that,
1: that was what you really wanted to do
2: yeah and, th- and that took our breath away because we didn't know we could and she said look it, you, you can you can do it it's just about to change um and so we, we then had this kind of turmoil to find an agency that would support us every agency wanted to tick the box and say yes we've got gay couples on no, the right. see you. but most of them weren't taking us through the process and you know um, we, we we wasted about a year being with um, one local authority that that suggested yes we can do that and then they they never they were always full when it came to putting us on a prepare to adopt. Because there was a certain
1: uh, amount of anxiety, wasn't I think that, I mean, I wasn't a social worker at that time, um, and so I, c- I can only speak from sort of anecdote, but I know there was a certain amount of anxiety about doing it right, which led to sort of an, almost like a paralysis in... Assessments, yeah. and yeah. you know, is there any? Are there any questions we should be asking? But no, just the same questions.
2: <laughs> exactly <Yeah. laughs> well, And that's a fair point because you know, in the end, we were exasperated, and, and I heard yeah. on the radio one day that. Peterborough City Council were looking for adopters. So I rang them and I said, look, you know we've been pushed to the wayside by our own local authority. Is there any way that we can be assessed by you guys? And they came out the very same day and met with us and said, yes, 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 we want you. Um, but they were very open and honest and they said, we've never done this before. We, we aren't sure how it's going to go. You are going to be our first. It's going to be a longer process than we would like, but we want to make sure we get it right. Mm-hmm. Are you happy with that? And we said, no, no, no. We're very happy. If you, as long as you're happy to work with us, then we're happy to work with you. Um, and there was really no no turning back from that point. You know, it, 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 it gathered pace. It, it, it all happened in a reasonable amount of time. Um, uh, um, and I think that you know, where um, most agencies, most local authorities, would use their own team to do the assessment. Um, fair play to Peterborough, but they actually contracted our assessment out to the best person they knew in the business. And they yeah. just so happened to be the lady who came to assess us for the bathroom. Yeah.
1: Oh, see how that works? <laughs>
2: it was quite magical.
1: Yeah. It's, I mean, that's quite a story, and I think that, you know, often, you know, as an adoptive parent, you know, straight adoptive will So it's it's a tricky process. But actually, for you, the the hoops and the hurdles to even get to just the start line have just been more significant. And was there any? Did you? Was there any opposition? You're from family. I don't want to draw the rocks of your family relationships. Was was there opposition? What was? Did you hit any sort of people? Anxiety? Man I on think the street.
0: I, I definitely did. I was very scared actually to tell my dad. And I can tell this story because he's no longer with us, bless him. But um, we actually didn't tell him until we were matched.
1: <laughs> then we were kind of... Right. Um, by the way.
0: <laughs> so, by the way. And his reaction was absolutely yeah, was, He was but jumping to join. I think because of the reaction when I told him I was gay. Right. Um, which didn't you know, we we didn't speak for a while and it was very, very it took us a long time to repair our relationship. I think I was very scared of losing him again actually, over something that he may not have agreed with. Yeah. Um and Tris was going to me, You need to tell him, you need to tell him I was like, I'll tell him in my own time and of course, like literally they were rocking up at the door, ready to move in and they're sitting <laughs> up with my dad and saying, "No, by the way, we're gonna have kids in a couple of months Um but actually, um everybody else is fine, I think. There was there was an obvious thing about oh, do you think, and, and it wasn't like, they, they weren't telling us not to do it. What they were saying was, oh, you know, what if this happens? Or what So they were kind of, I guess what they thinking were doing, through. they were thinking about the children, actually, that might come and live with us. Mm-hmm. And when I reflect on that now, I think, actually, they were right. They were right to question us like that because it did make us think long and hard about what if this happens? So what if they're bullied at school for having gay parents? Mm. What if, you know, we take them to the doctors or a hospital and they have to have an operation and the, the, you know, whoever, I don't know, you know, will not allow one of us in or, you know, stuff like that. That was kind
1: really of practical, yeah. really practical, child focused stuff, because I, I, I was, you, as you were saying that, I just recalled um, when I was a student social worker, I worked with a family and um it was the matching process and it was just it was all a bit of a blur really but it was a same sex couple and i sort of had i was tasked with those questions um so reading through the their form the par i guess it was for me can't remember now so long ago and then sort of asking those really reasonable questions you know i have no concerns about the child's welfare in the house at all yeah but how are you going to respond in those situations and circumstances now that is a reasonable question I mean has that come up you know bullying or you know funny looks that kind of stuff
2: I think well there's a little bit of a story here in terms of the panel um, panel seemed to drag on but one of the questions that was asked of me they (laughs) do they do but one of the questions was asked of me was that they had recognised from the uh, form F uh, as was that i was in the closet at work i was a signalman for network rail at the time in king's cross and it was a very dominant male environment and not one where a gay man would comfortably um be out of the closet so this um, is
1: 2003 4 5 sort of time
2: yeah 2003 um so panel, the, the, I think it was the psychologist on the panel, he said, um, I have one question for you, and that is, if you can't champion yourself at work, how can you hope to champion your children in your life? Ooh. And I struggled. to I just say it wasn't the psychologist, it was ah. um, the local council. Local council.
1: okay. Yeah. Ah, I've been on panels, I understand what you mean when you say local counsellor yeah.
2: Okay, so I was like a rabbit caught in headlights and started to answer the question at which point Scott was kicking me hard in the shins and saying, look, to sharp because they're not listening to you um, and I kind of wiggled my way through the answer and then I went to work the next day and came out and I told everybody, because I felt that, actually, there was a really fair point there that I needed to be able to speak up for myself because I may encounter difficulties with the children as a gay man in the future. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that I was scared to come out, it was just the environment working in a safety critical role where I needed the support and backing of my colleagues when yeah. I'm running trains at very high speeds in people's lives. I just didn't feel that it was appropriate. Um, so I came out at work. We rolled forward uh, six months, we had the children living with us. And um, I rock up at work one night um, for a night shift. And out of the shadows, one of my colleagues comes and attacks me. And um, he attacked me because of, we had adopted children. Um, he said it was wrong. It was against his principles. It shouldn't be allowed. Um, and if I said anything, then he'd finish me off. Um, so physically so,
1: attacked you or verbally attacked yeah, you? no,
2: physically attacked me. Right. So, um, you know... In terms of bullying for the children, um, we really, honestly, didn't experience anything at school. Only once. Uh, that wasn't at school particularly, but out of school there was one child that we overheard in the street saying, your dad's a gay, da-da-da. So I just went out of the bedroom, grabbed his ear and marched marched him back to his father, who I knew was a train driver, <laughs> and said, um, your son has just said this, and well let's just say that the father dealt with it appropriately and then he came back to the door and said by the way will you give my train an early run in the morning because I'm on early and I said yeah happy to Um, so that was the only instance of bullying that we had but um, in terms of in terms of as an adult the the bullying was quite severe but I think that that was I just think that that was more about me than the children and, 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 and more about the people I was working with
1: Yeah, I mean that's a remarkable story that someone physically attacked you because you'd adopted yeah. That, that, you know you know because uh, it's counter to the narrative isn't it and you, that's a, uh, just thinking about it is that I am universally thought of as to be a saviour because I adopted you know you, you know that is the narrative often adoptive parents we all get together and go, I wish to to people and saying oh you're doing an amazing thing and your kids seem to be grateful and all that that's not your experience that actually you, you're going into another environment where you, internationally you're maybe not hiding it but Neither are you trumpeting it. You're you're being cautious and careful and wise around that. Um, but then at work, you're being physically assaulted. So does that feel? Does that is a sort of a separation between you and sort of other adoptive families, you know, straight adoptive families.
2: I I didn't see it like that. I I was really lucky in that um, I was well supported and um, the help that I had after the incident helped me to identify that the problem was not with me or my children or my life choice to adopt or my sexual orientation. The problem was very much with the individual um, who had got, you know, who had the issue. So I think I was able to put that to bed um, reasonably quickly. Um, and, and I was moved geographically to another another place. Um, and we moved house because, you know, the threats had, had come to the home as well from the individual. Um, so it was a life-changing moment, but I don't see it. I think I think adopters face challenges almost every day that test their resilience with their own lives and the lives of their children. And I, I just put that down to another test of my resilience as an adopter, or as a human being. Um, that happened to adopt. Um, I, I really, I, I understand that you know he 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 made the the attack because we'd adopted and and that he didn't agree with it. Hmm. Um, but like I said, you know, um, I would imagine that uh, there there'd be other parts of of any community that equally could have come in for it if he was having a bad day.
1: Yeah. But it was still you, and it was because of your sexuality and your choices, wasn't it? It's easy to kind of... That's very pragmatic of you and very um, generous of you to kind of see him in those terms. But he assaulted you because you're an adoptive parent and a gay man.
2: Yeah, I i guess as I've got older, and I mean, this is a few years... You know, this is a few years ago now, but as I've got older, um, people have <laughs> tended to call me very pragmatic, and I think that I've finally learned how to um deal with stuff and when i say stuff i mean all of the uh everyday challenges that we face um i finally learned that my ripe old age to be able to put it into perspective and realize that tomorrow is another brand new day Mm.
1: so are there challenges you still face in relation to your sexuality and your and your you know the fact you're an adoptive parent
2: well, I mean, that's interesting. The, the one person who, who had a real impact on me was the head teacher of the primary school that we first approached for Fraser and, and Brandon when they moved in. And um, we sat down in her office on the little chairs, and she sat on the big chair. And she said, um, you know, why do you want the children to come to my school? And, I, and, and we said, well, your school is, is the best. And she said, okay, I just want to check that the local authority aren't you know, putting you up to this. And I said, no, 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 we've, we've researched. She was getting lots and lots of children with, with um, SEN at the time, and she was just a bit wary of us turning up unannounced, saying we've got a, a, a couple of children to deposit at the school. And um, we said, look, we have some real concerns, and one of the biggest concerns we have is that we're a gay couple. And she sat for a moment, and and, and, you know, picture this, a lady of of mid-60s sitting on a chair, uh, looking ever more the school um, headmistress and looking down her glasses at you. And she said, you are probably the most normal family I have in my school because most of the kids here have one parent, or they have a parent who has a visiting parent, or they visit their dads in McDonald's once a week, or, You know one of the parents has callers every so often so the child just doesn't know where they stand at least your two children have two parents that love each other and all live together she said and that's a very rare quality in my school and i think at that point it just cemented that actually going forward that we are as normal as the next normal family whatever normal is we don't need to identify ourselves as different in the adoption journey we are people that can provide children with a loving caring home and at the end of the day that i believe is what they they firmly need
1: yeah uh, you use the word normal a lot there which is really interesting because uh, i was thinking about uh, i've got i know someone an acquaintance who wh- not. <laughs> well no well you don't draw me on the rocks. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, don't. Um, he would describe himself as queer, and he would quite clear, quite clearly, feels that he wants to kind of reject sort of a heteronormative route of life, which is, you know, sort of reject the, you know, get married, have children, live happily ever after. Yeah. Um. So, is there a is there a, a part of the well? I guess that's the LGBTQ um, community that sort of say, actually, we don't want this. We well, this isn't for us. Or is, is that is that a, is there that voice out there? It
2: is. I, I identify with many words about my sexuality, depending on what mood I'm in on that day, yeah. or 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 you know what's happening around me. Um, when I say I identify, I. I I use all of those words um, mostly in a very light-hearted way because I'm just me. Yeah. Um, you know, if I'm telling a story about a scenario where I'm in, I might call myself a queer boy or I don't know. I, I, I really don't take issue with any of the words that are used to describe our community. I know some people do, but life's too short. And I think when you've had the battles that we've gone through, to get to where we are um, as gay people um, then I think that you know it's only words and, and I really can't get upset by it and I know a lot of people do and you know that everybody's entitled to their opinion but it, for me it's, it's, it's words and, and, and actually what matters to me most is being happy
1: are there any future battles are there any do you see that there's there's more ground to take or inhabit maybe it's a better way of
2: saying um, I think that um you know we're two middle-aged gentlemen living together with (laughs) two middle-aged gentlemen living with an almost grown-up family I think we're a little bit kind of off the radar now I think we're kind of very settled and we've got our circle of friends and everybody knows us and when we go to work we um, meet with you know clients that we work with, and, and, and either they know us in advance, or we won't hide anything from them. But I, I certainly don't. I certainly haven't had a battle over sexuality for a long, long time. And I think, were I to encounter one, I think I would be very strong at, 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 at holding my own. I don't think it would be too long a battle
1: no, no and knowing you i can imagine that it's, you're not going to mess around are you no. There's, there's no no froth or nonsense you are just going to say this is you take it as it yeah. is yeah
2: yeah i mean the silly battle was in in, in a hotel uh, 3 or 4 months ago where i'd booked a, a king size bed and we turned up to reception and without they they took one look at us and decided to change the room type to a twin room without telling us And I got up to the room, saw it was two beds and just marched straight back down and said, I booked a king room. You'll respect the fact that I booked a king room. Now give me a king room. And I I mean, I wasn't that blunt, but it was, you know, um, it was very much about um, don't prejudge who's standing at the desk. If you need to ask, ask the question. I'm not going to shy away from saying, yes, I booked a king bed and I want a king bed.
1: Yeah, don't you know, dance around uh, it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Don't don't make the assumption that I've made the mistake. But whereas I was quite happy with two singles, but you know that's, <laughs> <how> I,
1: <laughs> that's another story. That's,
2: <laughs> you are so
1: middle aged.
0: <laughs> yeah, actually, a separate room would have
1: been nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Scott, have you got any thoughts on that? I know you Scott's actually been wandering around making his tea in the um, background. Sondheim children. Actually. Sondheim children. All right, child wrangling, a bit of that going on what do you see the future for you know do you see this where you know do you see there's, there's battles to be fought in the future? or are you just kind of well, that's interesting, isn't it? Because
0: actually when i so as an example, let's use Twitter as an example, I see a number of stories about we're going to um we're, we're being forwarded onto panel and and we're going to do our assessment and blah blah. blah. And it's very much the norm now that the, the issue of sexuality doesn't really come into it. Now, if Twitter had been around before our assessment, and I'd known what, you know, how to use Twitter and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff, I think it would have been a very different conversation. Um, and I think that I'm really I'm, – I'm actually quite proud of our family. I mean, we weren't the first, but we were one of the first. Yeah. To actually go through the process and then be placed with children—it and was very new, and you know, all that sort of stuff. But the fact that we started that kind of journey for the LGBT community—you
1: mm-hmm.
0: know, there wasn't—it wasn't just us, but you know, there's a number of us who started that kind of um, journey um, to make it normal. And I feel like. Um, myself and some other um, members who of the LGBT community who adopted that early on actually have, have kind of stuck their heads up a, bit, a little bit and gone, you know, this is this is actually okay. This works, you know. And we're now yeah. seeing search and evidence come through that says that you know actually you know <laughs> being having gay parents doesn't make you gay. All right, that's 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 a big thing that's kind
1: of coming up again. Well, and again. Th- that's this hidden kind of.
0: Exactly. Concern,
1: yeah. isn't it, that no one's On to
0: same, right. in the same way that having straight parents doesn't make you straight? Do you know what I mean? It's like that's really. Of,
2: we yeah, have, we have, we have a 21-year-old that would obviously be walking, living, breathing evidence of the fact that having gay parents does not make you gay exactly. Gay. Yeah. Um, so,
0: but I just, I just feel like you know, as as with anything, when you've got people who are doing something for the first time, there's there's a group that. Kind of raise their heads a little bit and say, Well, actually, do you know what? I do that because I want to help people to improve the system. So, as an example, you know, um, improve the awareness. Actually, you, it's not that you shouldn't ask um, someone in the LGBT community about their um, what was it we were asked? I'm trying to think of the word now infertility. Yeah, so we were asked yeah. about our infertility through the assessment, and we sat we there looking at each other, going, Huh? Uh, yeah. What do you mean? Because actually, we 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 don't know that we you know are infertile. I'm definitely
1: not. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm, I'm not going to ask how you know. <laughs>
0: that's a completely different podcast as well. Um, but we don't know we're infertile.
1: You're yeah, asking um, the wrong question. In
0: fact, the only the only way to um, the only journey that we looked at to become a parent was through, through adoption and fostering. So.
1: Yeah, I, that that's really interesting because I'm thinking about the questions and I've you know I've read the the there's the best practice guidance for doing the yes ass- assessment and I'm thinking well actually there's a whole different range of questions about your your journey to childhood that needs to be ad- not not addressed but well yeah addressed you know ask you why do you want children um, yeah. and you know you know how have you, have you made sense of the fact that actually they won't be your biological children because that's part of it isn't it it's not necessarily the the actual act of popping things out well, exactly. um,
2: no well can I, i'll take you back to that headmistress because she did teach us an awful lot and one day i was sitting in the in her office again on the little chair <laughs> and she was telling me how my middle son had used a really naughty word that begin with a w to her and while trying to stifle a laugh, uh, as she said the word out loud, and he was hiding under the table, um, and I was trying desperately to apologize to her. I'm really sorry about his behavior. You know, I'm, I'm so sorry. And, and, and we got him back into class, and we got him settled. And um, she said, you know what? She's, she said, he's not a chip off the old block. He's a chip off somebody else's block, and you need to remember that for the rest of your life. Stop being apologetic for him. And uh, and I remember that all the way through his school career, that when I was going to sit in front of teachers and it felt like they were telling me off for my child's behavior. Mm -hmm. Actually, they didn't get it. None of them got it, but she did. And and I think that I, I do carry that with me. And sometimes when they do things that... I look at and I think, oh, I, I would never I would never have done that. Well, no, I, I probably wouldn't. And had it been a biological child of mine, then they probably wouldn't have done it either. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I think there's some very valuable words yeah. there. Yeah, and mm. I think
0: that's probably our biggest battle is actually um, together in different ways and, and on different things, because we're two different individuals as well and we have different biologies. So our children are neither his or mine or you know um and when you think about it um so sometimes there'll be things that come up and and you get really frustrated yeah and i think well and and it's normally about the teenage years for tris because he can't understand how they can keep their rooms like that and blah blah blah. and i was Mm -hmm. like i was a messy teenager my room was a tip i had spoons and forks and plates
1: yeah and
0: under the beds, you know, and he's like, "I wouldn't have been. No, 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 no. Um, and I have to remind him that actually, that's sometimes what a teenager does. But then there's other occasions where something, you know, I'll, I'll have a, an issue with something, and he's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" You know, they're 14, or 17, or 19, or 21. You know, that's kind of how it is. Yeah. So, but equally, biology or not, all you want is for them to be, you know, as successful as possible, healthy, and happy exactly so Not um, prison. But, yeah haha <laughs> <laughs> you jest um but you know i i mean i think in terms of where we where we where we where we came from in 2005 to where we are now i think there's a massive leap i love that it's made that and you know that's kind of that's people learning people teaching um, people wanting to kind of understand, people really seeing the value in, you know, because it wasn't just same-sex adoption. It was also single adopters yes. at the same time. And, you know, that's that's proven as well that, you know, that works. And, you know, one of the things that I'm always conscious of, and I don't like to say, oh, yes, we're amazing because we're two men, but, you know, sometimes um, placements, whether it's in fostering or adoption or even kinship, actually, sometimes there's a bit of value in being two men or two women or a single lady or a single gentleman, because actually that's what the child needs. Um, yeah. They don't need placement mum, so, you know, I, and I'm talking in kind of blunt terms here, but you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. Um, no, I think that's a really valid point because often we're trying, to re- we're trying to play nice. Aren't we were trying yeah. to, trying to re- replicate what they had, but actually for some children that is deeply unhealthy.
0: It's too traumatic for them, yeah, exactly. So, in terms of where we come from and where we're going, you know, I think that you know, I'd like to be one of these old men when I'm seventy, 70, 80, who appears on the telly and goes, "Well, I might die," you know. That mm-hmm. This, this is how we did it. He, he did does it. that now.
1: So yeah, I he does do that now. Because um, you were on Stonewall last last year, weren't you? You were in the Stonewall. Yeah, master.
0: yeah. So we did the BBC fortieth, fiftieth anniversary Stonewall.
2: Fiftieth with with Michael with Cashman. Michael Cashman. Yeah. yeah. Oh, excellent.
0: Yeah, and that was interesting because you know we—I mean, obviously we weren't around when Stonewall happened, but you know the, the 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 Stonewall has affected us because it started to break down the barriers and started to make people realise that actually this wasn't a, a, a repulsive thing that was happening. Actually, there's people who are born this way and they're attracted to the same sex, and that's just as simple as that. Just you know? get over it. <laughs> Yeah,
2: we're here. We're clear. But uh, anyway, um, sorry. Well, yeah, Nineteen. I was I was active in Stonewall back in ninety four. Um, so the repeal of the Criminal Justice Act, um, where they would, we we campaigned to get the age of consent dropped from twenty one to sixteen. Yeah, and we held um, in in very peaceful style. We held a a candlelit vigil outside the House of Lords, waiting for the answer to come out that the age of consent in 94 was going to be lowered from 21 to 16. I mean, can you imagine that today that you had to wait until you were 21? It's unbelievable. And word came back. It, it came out as a whisper all the way through the crowd. And uh, they'd rejected 16 and given 18. And we were we were pleased, but we were disappointed. And... Um, so many of us, we just decided to, to lay down outside the House of Lords in protest so that none of the uh, lords could, lords and ladies could come in, go out, or, you know, everybody was, was stuck. Um, and we were peaceful, but, you know, it was, it was a real terrible political time for us because, we, yeah. you know, Section 28 was about, and um, Age of Consent was up in the air, and people were – actually, people were getting knocks on the door from police to – uh, arrest them because they were underage uh, there was all sorts of, 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 of things going on mm. and so you, you, you know you drive forward to today and that's why I can hand on heart say I, I you know what challenges do we have going forward I can't think of any because at, at the ripe old age of 48 uh, there's, there's very few bridges left to cross in the UK <laughs> at least in the yeah, UK exactly, at least, yeah. I, think, yeah. I think, you know, if we choose to in, in the Republic of Ireland where we are now, then I think that, you know, uh, we, we I think we, I think it would be right for us to get involved. We have life experience to be able to share, particularly with some of the um, people who, who are currently up for election and vying and, and for the latest um, political posts, but we have to see what colour of... Um, coalition government or, or, or certainly government comes forward in the next month when, when Ireland comes from the polls um, but we, we've certainly told our, our local TD that we are here and willing to help and guide and and um, facilitate the, the massive changes that Ireland needs to bring into statute
1: and you've got lived experience of that haven't you you've got, you've got a track record where you can say you know it's not all peaches and cream but y yep. you know a friend of mine's um he's he's quite a bit older than me and uh he was talking about same-sex uh, adoption and it was interesting because he was saying well in some ways it, and he was being honest and it, there was no malice in him he was just sort of asking questions he was saying well in some ways it's uh, he said it's an experiment. He said it's it's this idea we don't know what's going to happen. I said, well, I'm not entirely sure that's true, actually, because I think historically women, for example, have always cared for children without men <laughs> since the dawn of men, basically. Um, uh, and he kind of acknowledged that, and you could see he was thinking, yeah, well, yeah, uh, and I think that generation obviously has obviously have a lot to learn. Uh, we've we've done the hour. We've got a whole hour's worth of chit chat yik yak. Um so thank you so much. I I have to ask if I asked any stupid questions that you know only a straight man could ask. Is there anything <laughs> I need to
0: I think what this what this does um Al is that kind of addresses, oh, yourself.
1: Easy. It addresses um
0: it addresses kind of uh what it was like in some ways. So there's been no no questions that you've asked that we wouldn't have answered. Yeah. Um, If anything, I was hoping you were going to go a bit Paxman on us, but you didn't. So, you know, that's fine. Um, And I think that actually that this might be useful for, well, I don't know for who, actually in terms of a historical kind of look back over to 2005 rather than a kind of look forward sort of thing, if that makes sense. Because I think that, you know, now people are, you know, couples and single lesbians gay men transgender people are coming forward and they're saying uh, I'm going to adopt because that's the way I'm going to do it and there's there's no kind of stigma attached to it and it's all fine and it's all lovely um, but actually that you know this story is kind of and as, as are a lot of other, um same-sex couples who who are at a similar stage but that we are um, you know, it wasn't always like that. And, and, but it's always the same, isn't it? Things progress, things move on, things uh, you know, just kind of develop. And it's the same with this. And in 20 years' time, there'll be probably hundreds of pieces of evidence and research and stuff done into um, same sex parenting and how it's affected children. If it's affected, if it's affected children, what the positives are, what the negatives are, blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. I hope I'm alive to see all that. I really do in 20 years' time. Um, 20 years
1: you, of, what yeah. you, no, no, you'd just be saying, 60 or something ridiculous I look, at,
0: I look at my I look at my family
2: kind of you know <laughs> gene pool number <laughs> the reach you know, it's kind of it's a bit dodgy he He's, might just be a grandfather by then he sh- may just God. be uh, I've still got the bricks at the back door <laughs> with the boys names on <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: but, a terrifying <laughs> thought and I, I just wish you were joking um, <laughs>
0: um, but, <laughs> this, that's where that's that's why I want to uh, that's why I'm looking forward to seeing is this, this kind of Realisation by the, you know, by 95% of the the world. Actually, this is all right. This is this is okay. This is okay. And it's not anything perverse. And it's not, you know. And but I doubt we'll get to 95%. But if we can up it a little bit more, then I'd be, I'd be happy.
1: Champion. So thank you, Tris. Welcome. Welcome, Uh, Scott. We we've got plans, haven't we? Oh, oh, go. What april, plans have we got lad? april april the fourth april third and fourth third uh, and fourth that is so exciting so we are almost in the, we're in the final stages of uh, signing so, uh, things off and
0: uh, getting purchase orders
1: and <laughs> yeah f- like fully functioning adults <laughs> proper adulting so we've we're doing a conference for who is it a, 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 y- you, yeah I, can, yeah. I should know that, shouldn't I? That's really embarrassing. It says
0: Derby, Derbyshire, and Nottingham and Nottinghamshire. So that's quite easy to remember.
1: Derby, 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 Nottingham, yeah. Nottingham. So and and
0: I'm going to tell a story because you don't know the geography like nothing on earth because you obviously don't. So essentially, on the third, um, Al and I are going to. Well, Al's presenting at this event for. Um, some of the team at um, adoption East Midlands, and I'm going to watch. And then on the Friday the third, we are having our first ever.
1: Saturday the fourth. Yeah. On oh, Friday the third. Oh yeah. Sorry. 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 I should have. Mm. Fingers
0: yeah, and I said sorry six times. There, I'm taking all those sorrys for all the stuff you've ever said bad about me. <laughs> you need um, more than that. <laughs> on uh, April the third, which is a Friday evening,
1: mm-hmm. in
0: the area venue to be confirmed because I'm Ooh. still trying. To, but we are doing the first ever adoption fostering
1: podcast pub quiz. I don't really know why. It just sounds good. The podcast does, pub I, quiz. I know, it's not
0: actually a pub quiz. Is it? no it's p- just d- like. It just sounded good.
1: Yeah, be pub, got, uh, but maybe no quiz.
0: Yeah, Jenny Jones, friend of the show, saying, bingo. I'm like, no, we're not doing bingo, love.
1: Right, no, no, is, no, 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 it's not, do Exactly. lie.
0: <laughs> Sadly, yeah. The blue rinse progresses, sitting in the back going, adoption and fostering well and my die. <laughs>
1: uh, and then on the fourth, we are cheering. <laughs> presenting, doing, presenting. making the tea At and the, coffees. It's,
0: Mid, uh, adoption east midlands conference annual conference first birthday
1: and they're having a yeah. the conference for Is adopted it, parents there's a cake i can confirm there's a cake We um, and
0: chocolate
1: cake yes a uh, very exciting and we're going to do uh we're going to do our thing aren't we we're going to talk about specifically about resilience building resilience in children in yeah. adults and contact sport networks and peer mentor
0: yeah uh, uh sport uh what's it called peer sport yeah, yeah all uh, of that called and uh what else we're we doing weird um hopefully well it's just gonna be an amazing day actually but um we're just waiting to get all this stuff out so we can get people to come because
1: yeah. so and i'll put the event there's a link Eventbrite. i think it's going to be yeah. open to uh, those yeah. people who live within those authorities f- up until the end right. of oh, yeah. february and then after that anyone can come yeah, exactly,
0: and it's. I, I think it's going, to be, it's going to be great. Actually, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be fabulous. It's going to be yeah. fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it's worthwhile saying that. Actually, we've been invited as uh, to to do it as the Adoption and Fostering Podcast. <laughs> so excited! <laughs> but it's like a bit. It's like, <laughs> 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 I just don't understand why anybody would be at that. But
1: we've created a monster.
0: We had a call with Jane today, who's running it, and she was just like giddy with excitement, and we were like, okay this is pressure this <laughs> is real
1: pressure you know, I give you a rang after, ring afterwards I went this is really going to happen <laughs> I don't know I'm scared so
0: we, so we are we are absolutely giddy actually I mean ins- we
1: have to wear jumpsuits matching jumpsuits well I need to start a rugby
0: shirt Trace needs to start a rugby shirt our PA right. Trace needs to start a rugby shirt oh bless so. him
1: uh, well I'm going to go because I've got things to do and um, people to yeah. see and. fabulous uh, it was and, lovely and, chatting and, as always the pleasure That's was all nice. yours <laughs> exactly. Um, thanks, Trace. I can see you loitering.
0: <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <See> you, <soon. laughs>
1: you can be sure of it. Thanks, Scott. Bon Jovi.
0: Anchovy.
2: <sighs> right. I didn't, I didn't hear the music. Did I? No, 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 you don't. No. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I have to get my piano out. <laughs> I've got the kids all with their instruments in the back here. Like, one, two, three, go.